Reciprocal done right. Casey Hendrickson. Lovely intro, new voice guy. Casey Hendrickson here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Uh, big upgrades in my lifestyle today. Pretty excited to share some of those upgrades with you a little bit later on in the program. Uh, first, those of you watching the live stream, you'll notice there's a new coffee mug. New coffee mug. It's a foamy beer. So, enjoying that. <sighs> All right. Clean sweep. Newsman John, you hear about this? It's been a clean sweep. Did you hear that? All 22 Trump-backed candidates have won their primaries in Ohio and Indiana. How about that? All 22. Man. Uh, now, of course, the news media is out there telling you, hey, hey, this is this is not really that big of a deal because a lot of them ran unopposed. Yeah, they ran unopposed because they would have lost. That is the point. Some of those candidates... You'll know their names. Some of them are local. We'll get to that here in a minute. And then we're going to play you an audio clip of Joe Biden making a fool of himself, which we could play every day, but we choose not to for your own sanity. All 22 candidates in Ohio and Indiana. These new headphones are nice, man. These were only like 18 bucks. Nice headphones. All 22 candidates in Ohio and Indiana endorsed by former President Donald J. Trump completed a clean sweep of Tuesday's primaries indicating the strength of a Trump endorsement is as mighty as it has ever been. Do you remember when they claimed that endorsements from Trump would be toxic in how we had some candidates early on in the special elections run away from his endorsements? Now have you heard Fox News over the past couple of days? The coveted Donald Trump endorsement. Yeah. (laughs) Almost everybody this guy has endorsed after he left office is one. Almost every single one of them. It's almost like there's a changing of the guard. Had some of that happen in our local elections as well. I called um, I, I called two of my, I had two surprise picks. I told you that yesterday, right, John? I had two upsets that I was eyeballing. Both of them happened. Both of them happened. How about that? Former White House political director Brian Jack Don't trust somebody with two first names. Exclusively told Breitbart, what we saw in Texas earlier this year was confirmed yet again tonight. President Trump's endorsement is the most important endorsement in politics. True. His endorsed candidates are a combined 55 and zero in the 2022 primaries. 55 and 0. You remember what Obama's coveted endorsement was worth? Nothing. People did not show up for Obama-endorsed candidates. A continuation of the historic endorsement streak of success that started during his time at the White House. Populist candidate J.D. Vance's win in the crowded Ohio Senate primary is welcome news to other Trump-endorsed candidates and is a potential harbinger of things to come in upcoming races in other states. Yeah, you've got a bunch of the fake uh, conservative members of the media, the ones who just pretend to be Republicans, but they're not. They're out there going, this is the face of the new Republican Party. Yep, get used to it. Making Vance's victory all the more impressive was his ability to stave off the crowded Senate field with three other candidates who sought Trump's endorsement. In addition to being targeted by the Republican establishment and donor class, Vance, who authored the best-selling book Hillbilly Elegy, received Trump's endorsement on April 15th and enjoyed a substantial boost in the polls following the 45th president's nod. 
Yep. Now, what's interesting about this, uh, you start looking at some of these other candidates here. Uh, where did it go? Let's see, uh, Trump backed Republican candidate Max Miller secured the Republican nomination for the seventh congressional district. They challenged incumbent candidate Repity, uh, Repity. <laughs> Representative Anthony Gonzalez in the primary. See, that's the other part that they didn't want to tell you in the news media is that you know a lot of yeah a lot of the the Trump endorsed candidates did in fact go unopposed, but a lot of them were unseating incumbents within the Republican Party. Republican candidate Madison uh, Gilbert, is it Giziato? Giziato? Giziato. Madison uh, Gilbert won the Republican nomination for Ohio's 13th district, beating out six other candidates. You got uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, Attorney General David Yost, Treasurer Robert Sprague, yada, yada. The list goes on and on. All Donald Trump-endorsed candidates swept in Indiana as well, securing nominations in six districts. The candidates, Jackie Wilarski, Jim Banks, Jim Baird, Victoria Sparts, Greg Pence, Larry Bouchon. Is it Bouchon or Bouchon? Do you know? Bouchon. Okay. Are all incumbents currently serving in the United States House of Representatives? The enormous night for Trump-backed candidates follows sweeping wins in Texas on March 1st, which saw candidates who garnered Trump's nod uh, with all 32 of their races. I'm telling you, something happening. There's still resistance to this. There's a reason that you're seeing so many swamp-dwelling Republicans fight so hard against Trump and anything dealing with Trump. You know, again, this article was written the other day. We, we talked about this. Is Trump the cleanest real estate investor and the cleanest politician ever? The most investigated guy in politics Not a single thing has stuck. Not one thing. Another grand jury, no indictment. And they got this farce of a case on him interfering in the election in Georgia, which clearly he did not. We've got the audio tape. He's innocent of that, too. Usually when you go on a fishing expedition, you find something. They can't find anything on this guy. It's almost like. And I'm certainly not this individual, but it's almost like if you live your life not doing a bunch of drugs and drinking alcohol all the time, that you tend to make better decisions. And that's Trump. Doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, doesn't seem to have a lot of skeletons in his closet. They keep looking for them. They just don't show up anywhere. So then you got Joe Biden saying, can you my audio, please? This is Joe Biden. This is what he said. After <laughs> this is this is about the abortion thing, but also just you had a clean sweep, 22 endorsements winning their races yesterday because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history. Yeah, this MAGA crowd so much more extreme than the Nazi party. Right, John. Remember the Nazi party? They were really popular in the United States. OK, we're not talking about a couple of basement dwellers here. We are talking about millions of members. They were very popular before World War II. Nazi Party in the United States were open. They were not closeted. They had a lot of politicians. They had a lot of very famous Hollywood celebrities. They were not a closeted organization. They were extremely popular. But you MAGA folks, you're you're way more extreme than that. What about oh I don't the communists? How about the communists? You know the communists that were working with the Soviet Union and Cuba and China and North Korea. How about them? They're pretty extreme, too. They still are. I mean, you should see some of the stuff that they post. Communist Party USA, they, yeah, they're, they're pretty treacherous. 
What else do we have here? What are some other extreme political movements in the United States? I suppose I, you know, the throwaways are BLM and Antifa. How about this political movement? The KKK. Were they extreme, Joe? Were the KKK extreme? Or do you not consider them extreme because one of their grand dragons was a very good friend of yours? His name is Robert Byrd. Remember him? Didn't you eulogize Robert Byrd after he died? I'm pretty sure that you did. So, I mean, for the rest of you out there, I mean, you know, the MAGA crowd is the most extreme political organ in this country's history. I, you might want to check the Democratic Party history there. You got a whole chapter that they like to tear out of their book uh, known as the KKK chapter. You, just, you probably want to avoid that one. Now, because he realized he had done something really stupid, eventually, later on at the press conference, like, ah, I didn't mean all of history, but, you know, just like in modern history, still not the most extreme. Uh, How many cities has the MAGA crowd burned down? Yeah, none. Cool. Um, Yeah. That's awkward. It's very awkward. Very strange. Very awkward indeed. The best you got? is a handful of people getting out of control on January 6th. That's the best you got. Because Antifa and BLM are a heck of a lot more radical than they, they the MAGA crowd ever would be. But, hey, you do you, Joe. That's what you get for electing a vegetable, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go over the primary results. Uh, a couple of surprises that uh, I, I picked. Proud to say that I picked them. One of them was one of the races I was really rooting for, so I'm happy about that. We'll go over some of those. Some of those results coming up in just a couple of minutes here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson, 95.3 MNC. What she's doing with former First Lady Melania Trump on 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, we're streaming live right now. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can check out the new mug that I got today. It looks like a beer. It's not beer, sadly, but at least it's coffee. Got some new headphones today. Got uh, posted a video earlier about a major, major studio upgrade today. Not going to lie, it's changed my life. We also got to talk about how other people's lives are changing because some people are out of a jobby job. There was uh, some interesting results in the primary elections yesterday in the Indiana side of the border. We'll get to the Michigan referendums here in a sec. No big surprise here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, Gary Snyder, yeah, you knew Gary Snyder was going to win that thing. He won that pretty handily for the Democrats in the District 3 race. Uh, In the Indiana House District 7, Jake Teshka just walloped everybody. And I... So here's a, this was this was seen by a lot of people as being a very contentious race. A lot of people didn't have an idea of where this was going to go. So you had Jake Teshka, you had Timothy Jaycox, you had Serena Williams. And Teshka pulled in 49%. Yeah, he mopped the floor with everybody. Um, but this is, this is what's so weird about this, though. And I only bring this up because I was mentioned in their circles for some reason, but Serena Williams only had 18%. Didn't even get a 800 votes. And I don't, I mean, that's with 65% of the precincts reporting. So, I mean, that, those numbers can change. But um, 
but I don't know how she was. She placed third. She claimed that she had every single freedom and liberty organization in the state of Indiana endorse her, which obviously wasn't true because GSB PAC did not issue any endorsements, and everybody knows that GSB PAC is the most freedom and most patriotic organization in the entire state of Indiana, and we did not give any endorsements in the primaries. But I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you only get eighteen percent of the vote if you. If you have every single freedom-loving organization in the state of Indiana endorse you. Very strange. Very strange how that happened. Uh, so moving down now, Kurt Nisley also booted. Uh, Craig Snow walloped Nisley, 73 to 27%. KCP nicer. Nah, whatever. Um, this was one of the races that I called. But the, the Nisley race is one that I had expected um, Nisley to lose that one. That was one of my two that I was watching. Although I'm not really sure that Craig Snow beating Nisley was an upset, per se. Uh, a lot of people felt that it would be. I didn't. But this was the one that I was eyeballing quite a bit. And I really did have a feel. I didn't think it was going to go like this. But I did have a feel that this could be an upset uh, upset, upset race. Excuse me. And that was uh, Dan Shazel uh, over Richard File. And uh, 75% to 25%. Uh, Shazel showing up. And... Good dude. Met him in person. I've met him both in person. Never had a personal issue with either one, but um, Dan and his family, just super nice people, super involved in, in what's, you know, happening in, in Granger in that area, and uh, just a just a hard-fought race. Good for them. I was really eyeballing that one, and I, I basically told you there's two people that I'm going to recommend you vote for. Uh, the rest of them is up to you. I, I told you uh, Chazel, which I mispronounced his name, uh, and then I told you to uh, vote for Jake Teshka. And it's like, you know, those are the ones that I, I really wanted people to understand. There's a lot of lies about Jake Teshka in this campaign. A lot of people were misrepresenting his voting record. They were lying about um, some of the stuff that he had done. It was a real ugly campaign. So a lot of people felt that it could probably go the other way. But uh, it, it wasn't even close. Jake had an easy, easy win there. But Dan Shazel just did not expect him to pull in 75% of the vote. But he did. He did. Um, in spite of uh, Richard File passing out little nail files to everybody which is a cute little gimmick. I'll, I'll give it to him. It's, it's a cute little gimmick. It's a nice little advertising thing, but it turns out a lot of people don't need nail files, so there's that. Uh, Portage uh, Township trustee for the Democrats, Jason Critchlow, handily won that one. That is not a surprise at all. Uh, Elkhart uh, County uh, uh, it was District 1, uh, the Barnes-Lucchese race, that was close. It is still a tie, 50%, with Barnes having you know, less than 100 votes ahead. So it'd be interesting to see if that holds. But very, very, very close, very, very close race in that County Commission District 1 race. Skipping ahead, skipping ahead. Sorry, it's, look, we can't do every little township. I do apologize about that. It's just too much too much out there in this area. We cover too many, too much ground. Um, the Edwardsburg Schools Millage Renewal, uh, 74% yes. Constantine Schools Bonding Proposal, 65%. No. And we got the Sturgis Street Sidewalk Millage Renewal, 65% yes. And we have the full results for your local races, if you haven't seen them, at 953mnc.com. All you got to do is hop onto the website, and you can take a look at those election results. And then, of course, we, we told you what had happened again in, in the other parts of the state with the, the big races where uh, Trump had issued his endorsements. And no, no real big surprise there. Jackie Wilarski running unopposed. And, you know, what, here's what's interesting, though. I still get this question because there's still a lot of Republicans that want Jackie out. 
And what I find interesting about this is that she has always been a representative who has done exactly what she promised you she was going to do the first time she ran. And she's never really deceived anybody about who she was. She always told you she was going to try to work across the aisle. A lot of people want her to be a little bit more forward on some issues, which I could certainly appreciate. She's very strategic in, in what issues she chooses to pick battle with. But I've also, um, you know, I've had her on recently, and I've told you this before. I was like, yeah, some of the stuff that she is definitely getting getting more vocal about, um, she's, she's doing the right things with those things. And I wish that people would listen to me on this because I realize that you listen to me every day, most of the time, for those of you out there who are like really into politics and really involved in everything else. I want you to just don't think of me as a radio host. Think of me as somebody who has been in politics for a long time. I have seen what works. I know what works. I know it doesn't work. Very rarely am I surprised by that stuff. There's a lot of people in my position who have this knowledge. And I, I can tell you right now, it is always a losing strategy to run against somebody that you agree with over 90% of the time just because you want to get elected. You're, you're never going to win that battle. You're putting yourself in a position to do one of two things, okay? The first thing is you have to lie about the other candidate. And some of that happened in this, this primary season. You have to lie about that other candidate's record in order to bolster your record. And the reason that you have to do that is because, well, you agree with them on everything that they've done. So you have to separate yourself somehow, some way. And the only way that a lot of people are able to find that out, and these are usually campaigns run by amateurs. This is typically how this goes. So then you find maybe one vote, right? Maybe one vote you disagree with that person on and you make the entire campaign about that one particular vote. Now, if you do that, you had better understand that vote. You better understand procedural voting, which a lot of voters do not understand. Okay, they do not understand procedural voting. They don't get it that sometimes you have to vote against your bill in order to revive your bill at a later date. They don't understand that stuff. Uh, and and that is that's a voter ignorance issue. And the parties don't want you to be that well informed. Uh, so what ends up happening is a lot of people go out there and they attack a certain candidate for voting against something. When, in fact, that candidate supported that thing, the only reason they voted against it was because they needed the ability to revive it later. And oftentimes, they can get that pushed through. But if people don't understand these votes, then it comes off as, well, you actually voted against something that I support, so this is going to be the thing I'm going to fight you on. The problem is when it's explained to you that it's a procedural vote, you don't have an argument anymore. So you're putting yourself in this position where you're either going to have to lie about the other person that you're running against, usually the incumbent, or you're going to be in a position where you're going to sit there, maybe it's at a debate, maybe it's in an interview or whatever, where you just agree with everything that they've done while they're in office. And you're not going to win this. It's never going to be something that you're going to win. Yet it happens very frequently. And it happens because somebody whispers in somebody's ear, you need to run for office. And they don't think that they can win. And then all of a sudden, they're starting, ah, you should run for office. You'd be amazing. You'd be great. And whatever. And it starts getting in their head that maybe they could be amazing. Maybe they could be great. And maybe they could be. But you don't run against somebody that you basically ideologically agree with on almost everything. You're never going to win that race. You got to bide your time. You got to find a race that you can win. You got to work your way into the system somehow, some way. 
Um, and a lot of folks just don't do that. We see this mistake every single election season. And I'm always cautioning people about this. I gave a speech not that long ago before we got into the primary season. And one of the reasons that I did it was we were going to have a lot of people who were good people with good ideas running against each other against somebody who was maybe just fine. Or maybe that person wasn't good and they were going to split the vote or whatever it was. And and my advice was always been to people. Don't waste your time and energy running against good people. Focus on other races. Your time will come. But a lot of people's ego won't allow them that patience. And you start running into problems. Now, when you run a campaign against somebody that you agree with all the time and you choose the path of I'm going to lie about their record, wink, wink, nod, nod, I think you know who I'm talking about. And you're going to lie about the record. Guess what you've done? You've effectively killed your political career. That's the sad part, because there are good people who would probably be great in office who kill their political career because they took crap advice from amateurs who told them on one issue, you're better than this one person, in my opinion, but you agree with them on everything else. So you should probably run against them. But you chose the bad path. It's it's not going to work for you. It never will. Part of my speech when I gave this a couple of months ago was activists are amazing. We need activists. Activists are the ones that are organized and ready to go day in, day out, every single day. But activists have a fatal flaw in the political process. They do not embrace or accept incrementalism. They don't. You will not win without incrementalism. You won't. It is a sad, sad truth. I hope that we get to a point one day where maybe potentially our side can get their act together on that and start making progress. Uh, But this is something that the Democrats own. They just they run this. They they are far better at it than Republicans and conservatives will ever be. And I, I desperately keep trying to tell people what the strategy is and they just will not listen. It has to be all or nothing. Comprehensive reform. You're going to lose on comprehensive reform every time. Scares people. So you got to do one, maybe two things at a time. Next session, one, maybe two things at a time. Just keep hammering away. This is not a sprint. It is a marathon, and you have to embrace that. If you do not embrace that, you will lose at every turn. Only amateurs tell you otherwise. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Also, MNC News Time is... 334, time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. First step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank you for tuning in and joining us. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, here's uh, here's some audio. This is Chris Rock. Now, Chris Rock has just run out on stage to take the microphone from Dave Chappelle. After Dave Chappelle was attacked by a fan, air quote fan, uh, who just jumped the stage and tackled him. And then Chris Rock ran out. This is what he said. Was that Will Smith? 
Uh, no, it was a white dude. So um, what I what I find interesting about this story is that they they broke this guy's arm bad, like real bad, which I I think is hysterical. Uh, he attacked somebody and he got his arm busted as a result. He got punched. He got kicked. He got stomped on. It's the whole thing. You know, you don't <laughs> you don't you don't do this. I don't know what this dude was thinking. I don't know his his reasons or his motivations or anything like that. Dave Chappelle joked. Uh, he's like, it was a trans man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Dave Chappelle has a beef with the trans community right now. Um, they think that he's transphobic. He, he thinks that they're being hypersensitive. It's a whole thing. Been going on for years. So this guy attacks him, and then he you know, he. he Dave Chappelle dodges it for the most part, but still stumbles and, and falls down. Uh, at this point, the guy gets up to run away. whole crowd of security and, and other celebrities were there, caught him, beat the tar out of him, broke his arm, jacked his arm up, something bad. If you've seen pictures of it, you know you know how gruesome. It's a gruesome break. You know, sometimes when you have like a break, like you see this with people who skateboard or something, they'll, they'll put their arm down and their, their, uh, their you know, forearm will snap, but it kind of pops back into place. And unless they actually like flop it at you, it, it doesn't really do anything. Now, that's not this dude. His arm is bent the wrong direction. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I think it's funny. You don't attack somebody like this and expect there not to be consequences. Uh, let's see. What do we have here? Um, Jamie Foxx gave a more serious assessment of, of this. A bunch of people thought it was a part of the show. Um, you know, people, obviously you never know at a comedy show, but it is what it it is what it is. Um, Jamie Foxx says, listen, I I just want to say this man is an absolute genius. We've got to make sure that we protect him at all times. Talking about Dave Chappelle for every comedian who comes out here. This means everything. You're a genius. You're a legend. And we're not going to let nothing happen to you. A spokesperson for the Hollywood Bowl said an investigation has been launched with the BBC reporting reportedly saying that the incident that occurred at the Hollywood Bowl on May 3rd, 2022 is an active investigation. We're unable to comment further uh, at this time. Okay, so we'll see what, what actually happens here. I, I would love to get a motivation for all of this, but don't know why he attacked Dave Chappelle, but he did. Uh, paid dearly for it. If you haven't seen the pictures, they will be in the daily show prep today because I'm probably going to make the busted arm one of the featured images. So that'll be good times for you. Go to theburningtruth.us, get the daily show prep after the, the end of every single show. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson. Sean Hannity Show, weeknights 6 till 9 on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. I gave you fake news. I have to apologize. See, CNN, MSNBC, it is not that difficult. I made an error. I was not a pasty white guy that attacked Dave Chappelle. One of the photos I was looking at in the article that I saved earlier apparently had a flash or something. Uh, He is not white. He is not white even remotely. And so I I apologize. I I screwed up. I made a mistake. I only looked at uh, one of the photos, and the lighting made it appear as if he were light-skinned. He is not. So we still don't know what the reason is. He was also armed. So he had like a uh, gun device that apparently can shoot a knife blade or something like that. Now, I don't know if this is shaped like a pistol. They called it a fake gun. Or if this is one of those wrist devices that you wear on your wrist and can shoot, you know, uh, like spears and stuff like that, which were really cool, by the way. I got one on the way myself. 
Those things are dope. Uh, but yeah, he's been identified. New York Post has got all of the all of the high resolution images of this dude after he got trashed. Um, we'll put in the Daily Show prep for everybody just so you can see it. But uh, but not a white guy, so I apologize. I did make that uh, make that mistake. So as John says, but you know, John is John. John's a flat earther. So when John says that I'm racist, I don't know that you can really take it to task. But there you go. All right, what else do we have here? The computer shop owner that turned in Hunter Biden's laptop, which everybody in the news media pretended wasn't real, has now filed lawsuits. Good for this guy. He has filed lawsuits against uh, Adam Schiff, CNN, The Daily Beast, and Politico because they slandered him as a Russian agent, which, of course, he is not. He's just a dude who repairs computers in the state of Delaware. The Delaware computer repairman who blew the whistle on Hunter Biden's laptop filed a multi-million dollar defamation suit on Tuesday against Democratic Representative Adam Schiff, CNN, The Daily Beast, and Politico, saying that they falsely accused him of peddling Russian disinformation. The former shop owner, John Paul Mac Isaac, decided to fight back after losing his business and being harassed for 18 months by big tech, the media, and Delaware locals in former Vice President Joe Biden's home state. Quote, after fighting to reveal the truth, all I want now is for the rest of the country to know that there was a collective and orchestrated effort by social and mainstream media to block the real story with real consequences for the nation. He is 45 years old, and he's about to get paid. So we got to hold on for a few more years, and maybe I can have a payday, too. This was collusion led by 51 former pillars of the intelligence community and backed by words and actions of a politically motivated DOJ and FBI, he said. Now, he's referring to the 51 former intelligence operatives who said, this has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Of course, they all lied, and then they refused to apologize to you. I want this lawsuit to reveal that collusion and, more importantly, who gave the marching orders. Good for this guy. I hope he gets paid. Just like Nicholas Salmon, just like uh, just like uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, Mr. Lionheart himself. I want this guy to get paid. And, and this is the thing. You know, how many times, by the way, is CNN going to get sued for slander? Holy smokes. This is the thing. I, I You know, going back to you know, changing strategies and things like that in, in the political realm and even in the cultural realm, because this kind of crosses both of those lines. I realize that traditionally conservatives and libertarians don't like lawsuits, you know, unless it's traditionally a lawsuit type case. But you have to start hitting them in the pocketbooks. You can't let them get away with this false idea that freedom of the press allows them to slander people. It's not true. It's fake. They don't have that protection. It doesn't exist. It never has existed. They are not allowed to demonize people falsely. And that's exactly what they have done. So they have to pay the price. They had to pay the price with Kyle Rittenhouse, and he's not done yet. They had to pay the price with Nicholas Salmon. He's not done yet. And they're going to have to pay the price with this guy when they lied about him. That's what they did. They lied about him just like they've lied about everybody else. And the only way that they are ever going to learn is to continue to hit them in the pocketbook. 
eventually it's going to be so much money that they're going to look at it and go, look, we, we have got to dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's if we're going to say something about somebody. We can't just go out there and willy-nilly, you know, basically publish, even even through social media, people who are, you know, blue checkmarked and, and certified employees of, of these outfits. We can't just go out there and falsely accuse people and slander people this way. That's what ultimately you want. You want to sue people into a position that they stop lying about everybody else because they're afraid of being sued. The goal isn't to prevent the press from doing their actual job. The goal is to actually force the press to do their job since the press isn't doing their job and they have no interest in doing their job most of the time. Most of them are too lazy to even properly research stuff for crying out loud. We spent the past two years proving that point. When the Post's first story broke in October of 2020, just three weeks before the election, Twitter and Facebook moved to censor it. Then shift, Democrat of California, 51 former intelligence officials labeled the laptop Russian disinformation. In the aftermath, uh, Mac Isaac says his business and reputation were ruined. Twitter initially labeled my actions hacking. So for the first day after my information was leaked, I was bombarded with hate mail and death threats revolving around the idea that I was a hacker, a thief, and a criminal. Schiff, who also chairs the House Intelligence Committee, has some explaining to do, Mac Isaac insisted. Without any intel, the head of the intel committee decided to share with CNN and its viewers a complete and utter lie. A lie issued in the protection of a preferred, pref, uh, preferred presidential candidate. He's right. He's absolutely right. I hope he wins. I hope he gets his payday. I hope this man is able to retire as a very, very wealthy individual. And I sincerely hope that Politico and Daily Beast and CNN and and Adam Schiff and others stop slandering people just for the sake of winning elections and proving some political point. Because this has to end at some point in time. We continue down this path. It is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And then eventually we're all going to be dying to take the Soma holiday just so we don't have to deal with all of the nonsense that's around us. We're streaming live, rumble.com slash Casey the host. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC FM and HD1, Niles, South Bend, L. To the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Just indulge me for just a second. I want to go off the rails here. I'm really excited about this. I did something today. I upgraded the studio today. John's smiling, but John, be honest, does it not smell glorious in this studio right now? (laughs) Well, compared to normal, yeah, it does. Normally, it smells like a wet fart in here. But now... I wouldn't go that far. Nah, yesterday it smelled like a wet fart. Amelia agreed. Although, we, don't, we don't know what was going on. Laura did go out this morning and pick some uh, fresh flowers. I noticed, appara- I noticed we got we flowers growing, in here. That <laughs> apparently grow right here on the property. Who knew? Uh, I think and, that's uh, why. And brought them in, and it did upgrade the smell. But then you came in. Yes. Um, so, okay. I, I'm basically turning into John. Like, I live at the station like half of the week now. And... I, I I do things here. So I've got like supplies. Like if I'm ever kicked out of my house, which can never happen because it's my house, but I have supplies in case I need to stay here. So I've got, you know, toothbrush and toothpaste, which I've had for a long time. You know, all your your basic stuff and you know, emergency supplies and the office at the beginning of COVID survived on my sanitizer supply for a while because I had had it all loaded up in the top shelf. You 
talk? Hang on, you're rewriting history. No, I'm not. When COVID happened, you were broadcasting from home for like a year and a half. You could have birthed two babies before you came. No, back no, no. To no. I'm talking station. at the beginning of the pandemic when nobody gets sanitizer. Yeah. And and our old office manager yeah, was like, was "Does anybody you. have any?" And I sent her it's like top shelf. In my studio, and she pulled like my stash of sanitizer okay, okay. out. But don't act like you were here in the building. No, 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 I wasn't in the building. No, remotely, my stash was in the building. They survived on my stash of sanitizer. Okay, right. Yes, no, I was well, not in the sure building. Yeah. I was. Let's I make was, it clear. Casey was one of the last people to come to work. I was one of the last people to come to work, and I was the first person to no, not come to work. You did do your job every day. Yes, so. I did my job every day, even uh, when you were in spite sick. of the children and everything else. No, I was isolated before the lockdowns even happened. Yeah. Um, I was at home in isolation when the order came yeah. out. <laughs> Life with Casey, everybody. But what was interesting is I've just, you know, one of the problems with being here is that I have an issue with, with eating. I don't want to go out to the restaurants and eat all the time. I can't obviously afford that. I don't want to eat junk food all the time. Um, and so I have these upgraded noodles that I, I make here sometimes, which everybody's jealous over. And now I've got like three people in the building eating these noodles because they're great. But noodles are noodles, and if I'm going with a high-protein diet again, I can't have noodles all the time. So I'm like, well, how am I going to get my protein throughout the day? And now I've got – got a refrigerator in here, so I've got my lactose-free milk. I've got my protein stash from Nutrition HQ. And I had kind of played with this idea a couple of weeks ago, but I put it out of my mind because it's not really practical. And then I was at Walmart today, and they had a a personal George Foreman grill, like 17 bucks. I'm like, I could make this work. I could grill inside. Nobody will be mad at me. Because if it's me, I'll barbecue inside if I have to. Okay? But I I can't because safety violation. So this was the option that I chose. And I'm telling you right now, this is the best studio upgrade I have ever made. I have a George Foreman grill. You know what I had for lunch today? Two pork chops. (laughs) Yeah. And he grilled them right here in the studio. You know what? And nobody complained. Nobody complained. No, they came Yet, in like, what was that smell? It smells great. Yeah, six months ago, I microwaved broccoli and I got a call oh, from should, and no, I got a shame, call from HR. Shame on you. Yeah, human broccoli? resources uh, contacted no. me and threatened to write me up. You can't you can't microwave broccoli in a public place. Shame on you. <laughs> but you know, people they do their popcorn, you know, that sort of thing. And most mostly it's like TV dinners and stuff that we have here. But um now, and, and here, I've never owned a George Foreman, I don't think. So maybe my family did at one point in time when I was a kid, but when they first came out, but I don't think that I've ever owned one. And so it was just, you know, one of the little personal ones, which is enough to give you like a big steak or a couple of small ones and huge upgrade. So now I can have my protein. It took seven minutes to cook two of them. Cooked perfect. Nice and juicy. It was good. Montreal steak seasoning on top. Oh, I love that stuff. <laughs> I got a little bottle of it back there. So if, uh, if John who is always doing a low-carb diet, ever needs to cook up something, feel free to do it. Just clean it. Oh, yeah. No, don't, I, I, don't, be, don't be that guy that uses other people's stuff and well, not, doesn't I'm clean it. Well, I'm not that guy, and I'm not that guy in the microwave upstairs either, by the way. That's so, somebody else. Somebody asked, was it just broccoli, or did you have anything else with it? Did, so did you just microwave just broccoli, or was there oh, something else? Oh, no, no, no. It was like a stir-fry thing. It was like, oh, okay. No, I, who would All eat right. just broccoli? Well, it was probably the, the dead cat that was in there that was... yeah. I don't Smelly. know, but I'll tell you this. So I I busted out the grill uh, for the first time this season over the weekend mm-hmm. and grilled up some steaks and some burgers. And then uh, my wife made some Brussels sprouts, you know, with the balsamic oh, yeah. vinaigrette. Super good. And, oh, yeah, yeah, super good. Who knew I would like Brussels sprouts as an adult? Only way I could eat them. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we had some left over, and then she said, why don't you bring them into work? And I said, absolutely not. I said, this is like <laughs> broccoli part two. I said, if I nuke those... 
Do you know how many complaints? I said, I'm already on probation from the broccoli. Yeah. That's so, a bad move. You shouldn't have done that. I didn't know. Who knew? <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Um, now, I did over the weekend, since we're talking about life upgrades, I did get a new grill. Mm-hmm. It's been on my list for six months. I'm like, I'm getting a new grill. Okay, I got an old, like, beat-up smoker, and it's, like, not working very so good So tell anymore. them what you got, because I'm so envious. I got, um, I got a pellet grill, and the only reason I got a pellet grill is I really needed something, because every time I try to sit down and actually properly smoke something, I'm called away, I'm pulled away, it's a whole thing. So I really needed something that was going to be kind of, like, idiot-proof even though I prefer cooking with, you know, uh, charcoal or I prefer like charcoal wood. Um, so I, I didn't really have the time to do that. So what I did is I, I went out and got one of these pellet grills. So you just load up the pellets on the side, it feeds them through, and then it just smokes whatever you have in there. So you set the temperature, it smokes it. So if you're going to do, you know, something for 10 hours or whatever, you can just set it to smoke and it'll just auto feed and keep doing it. You don't sure. have to worry about it. And so I was already planning on getting one. And for the size that I need, which isn't that big, it's like about 400 bucks. And I was at Menards, and they had one of these pellet grills, the exact size that I needed. It was 191 bucks. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so I, I looked at the wife, and I was like, look, this is on the list. If I walk out, I'm paying 400 So either we get this now or we pay $400, you know, in a month or two. But this is happening this year. This is my one big, I'm buying this whether you like it or not moments for the year. And that's, so we got it. And naturally she went out as I was putting it together, got steaks. We, we smoked a bunch of steaks that night. Perfect. Fantastic. Applewood smoke on it. Super good. Mm. So highly recommend it. But it's, I don't know how long that sale is going to last, but it was, uh, it's a Z Grill. Prairie Dog, Z-Grill Prairie Dog. So it doesn't have a ton of features on it, but it does what you need it to do, and it does well. It's not like a big green egg or anything, which is like my ultimate bucket list, but I just can't do that right now. But works really well. Very happy with the purchase. So super easy, idiot-proof. You don't have to manage any flames or fires or anything like that. All you got to do is make sure that there's pellets in the thing. You're good to go. So yummy, yummy stuff. Highly recommend it if you haven't upgraded to a pellet grill. Uh, if you have the ability to do it the real way, obviously you should do it the real way because that's better. I'll probably get a cheap little grill just for you know my my uh, wood charcoal and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, very happy with my upgrade. So things have been going uh, pretty good with uh, with lifestyle stuff. New hammock will be here too, very soon. You know what that means. <laughs> Got more coming up. News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson. <laughs> Studio 820, Thursday morning, I'm Laura Smith. I'm John Zimney. We'll talk to her about the Supreme Court leak and what she's doing with former First Lady Melania Trump on 95.3 MNC. You know what's really funny about that? And then the the heated discussion as I think John went into a dark place during the commercial break with, with the live stream. Um, <laughs> and watch, watch the folks on Discord and on Rumble arguing about propane, charcoal, hardwood, pellet. <laughs> Just watching everybody argue about it. Oh, it's so great. Look, we can we can we all agree on at least one thing? Here's the deal. If you're grilling, it's a good day, right? Doesn't matter what it is. If you're grilling, it's a good day. Even if you're doing inferior grilling on a propane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I had I was I was telling the story that we had a really expensive propane grill for many many years, and it served its purpose and it did great. I just always craved having that, you know that that charcoal thing. But but again, the ease of propane is just 
it's hard to argue with, and that's that's why a lot of people go with it. They don't want to fight with it, and you know they don't uh, they don't want to put a lot of time into it. They just want to be able to make something that tastes good outside and and have that uh, family gathering. So, it's, but it is funny watching everybody just kind of debate this now because it is one of those things that there's a few topics in our world, like in our personal lives, non politically related, that will just get people fired up, and that is a hundred percent one of them. You walk into a party and you want to instantly be like the most hated person at the party. You just walk in, you go propane or charcoal. (laughs) Inevitably, you'll find somebody who will go hardwood. (laughs) Uh, Good times. Good times. So you can join that debate. Hop onto rumble.com. Watch the live stream rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and uh, you can uh, engage in the chat there. If you go to the burningtruth.us and click on live stream, you can watch the video and then watch the chat on Discord happening all at the same time. All right. Man, so many things happening here. Um, I saw a couple of people on my my Discord server post this today. That is that's I'm glad that you're all, you know, seeing the same stuff. This is this is good. New York Post. Florida teacher claims that she was fired for discussing her pansexual status with middle school students whom she then asked to draw pictures representing their own sexual orientations. Hey, they're totally not coming for your kids, though. Not at all. They're totally not coming for your kids. I got somebody who's a little bit older than me in the studio, so I want to ask him this. John, when you were in school, I said a little bit older than me. Not, not like you're old. I'm just saying from a different generation. When you were in school, though, did you know anything about your teacher's personal lives at all? Well, okay, I will say that my first grade teacher, Mrs. Haas, who was my best, she's my favorite teacher of all time, she drove a 69 red Ford Mustang convertible. Okay, other than the vehicle you saw them drive with. She had a finished basement. She took me to her basement one time, and we drank grape Shasta Pop, but that's as far as it went. Oh, by the way, the the entire class was there. We were supposed to have a school picnic that day, but it rained, so she brought us to her basement. She had just finished her basement. So you were groomed. And I just remember having grape shasta pop. <laughs> That's all I remember. So you're, you're, what, what grade was this? First. You're fir- hold on a second. We, we stumbled on so this. I wanted is, to be in that Ford Mustang. I think, I think that this explains. By the way, she was cute. I think this explains the, uh, the, the dark place that John went to during the commercial what? break there. Um, she took, I'm sorry, her whole first grade class to her basement and gave you juice? No, grape shasta pop. Well, if I if I recall correctly, I think I packed my own grape Shasta pop. We were supposed to have an outdoor school picnic. It was like the end of the school year, uh, but it was pouring down rain. Uh-huh. So instead, we all went to her house, and she had just really? finished her basement. Oh, and she just finished it. We were in the basement. You were I in remember, the basement. I do remember she didn't have very much lighting down there. It was she didn't dark. have any lighting in her <laughs> dark finished <laughs> no, basement where she had awesome, all of her young first awesome grade te- students. An in. awesome teacher. <clears throat> an awesome teacher. So what are the what are the things that she taught you, John? Uh, ABC, ABC. Nothing bad, Casey. <laughs> hey, who's going to the dark place Look, now? I'm just, Seriously. I'm just asking if you you're okay. I just want to know if you're all right. Do you need to talk to somebody? I've was, got a great... This was as G-rated as a Disney film. Wait, that's a bad example. No, you don't want to use a Disney film. <laughs> oh no. Just, I'm staying off the air. Uh, this is like too okay. controversial for me to talk about. I have about. to ask this question, though, because it was great, which I feel like is a very intentional choice. It's just what I do, remember. Do you remember... Is that the last thing you remember, though? About uh, like you had you had a sip of your grape Shasta soda, and then all of a sudden you woke day? up at home. No, I, I uh, Casey, that was like a billion years. ago. Was there ago. some grape cough medicine tossed I into have, your grape Shasta soda? Oh my soda? gosh, no, she never did that to me. Okay, 
back on to the normal topic that I was trying to go before you went dark again. Well, you're the one who asked. Holy smokes. I'm staying off the air with you. You get me in trouble every time. Do you know know they're... Are they married? Are they not married? She was married. Okay, how many times do do the uh, the the husband and wife diddle each other every week? What? You know, what are their interests? What are their you know side hustles? Did you know any of that about him? No. Okay. He had nothing. A good, right. He had a good job. I think he was well to do. I did. I well, and if you if that. you're in smaller towns and stuff like that, you're going to know s- certain things. And okay. she drove a red convertible yeah. Ford well, Mustang. You know, my psychology <laughs> teacher that? in high school changed changed Porsches every couple of months too, but she swore she was underpaid. So. Um, all right. The reason I bring this up is when I grew up, you knew nothing about your teachers. Your teachers did not have a personal relationship with you outside of school. If you ran into your teachers at the grocery store or at a restaurant or something, you were lucky if you could wave and say hi, if they didn't just look at you, no, not your time. I'm with my family now. So when you have these, these new breed of teachers, they're doing the whole, hey, I like to, uh, I'm attracted to this and this and this and this and this. That never happened, ever. You knew nothing about your teacher, nothing. Now, all of a sudden, they want you to know every little intimate detail of their life, and they want you to discuss every little intimate detail of your life. Also weird, not as weird as taking a class of students to a basement, but weird. So Cape Coral art instructor, because of course she's an art instructor. Her name is Casey Scott, said that her students were serious about her sexual orientation and she explained to them that she was pansexual during a lesson in March. Yeah, I'm sure that her students were real serious about your sexual orientation. I'm sure that your your 11-year-old kids that were in class were just like, oh man, I really wonder what Miss Scott's sexual orientation is. Right. A discussion happened in class, and because of that, now I'm fired. No, that's not what happened. That is not what happened at all. That's not a discussion that happened in class. Generations older than me, you would have been hit by the teacher upside your head with a ruler if you asked them about anything dealing with their sex life. In my generation, that's not appropriate. Keep your mouth shut and don't say it again. Next time you go to the principal's office, the dean's office, what have you, okay? Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, I can totally get into an inappropriate discussion about my sexuality with you. Why don't you tell me about your sexuality? You know what? Let's turn it into a lesson plan. That just, that is weird. If you don't think that that is grooming and that that is inappropriate, you're probably, again, a pedophile. But Casey, I haven't acted upon it. Yeah, you're still a pedophile. Sorry, you should be spaced. Scott, who is married to a man, pansexual basically means you can be attracted to anybody. That's all it means, okay? Married to a man said that the kids of the middle school then created flags representing their own sexuality and gender identities because that's totally normal and not at all insane. We made flags in school, but it was if you had your own country, what would the flag be? Not a flag for your sexuality. I had a lesson plan where we created our own coat of arms for our family. I remember that lesson plan very specifically. Uh, What else do we have here? Uh, First-year teacher. Oh, of course she's a first-year teacher. Posted her creations to her classroom door before administrators told her to take them down. Here's the thing. This is how 
this is how messed up this lady is in the head. She not only thought it was okay to have this discussion with students, which she is now lying about and blaming the students for being really interested in her sexuality. Yeah, because that's what 11-year-olds do. But then she was so dense, she actually posted this lesson that she made up, which is not a proof curriculum, on the door of her classroom to display it. What have I told you about the woke Olympics? Part of the reason that they can't keep their mouths shut about their predatory behavior is they're constantly seeking attention and validation from their own community. They said it would be in the best interest if I got rid of them now, she told NBC. Uh, yeah, probably would have been in your best interest. Scott said that she crumpled up the pictures and put them in the trash. I wonder why she didn't just hand them back to the students so they could take them home so mom and dad could see. You know what's, again, this just, I'm just giving you my own personal experience. Um, you know, my, my kids create art all the time. It's weird. It always comes home. The art always comes. Why do you think she didn't want that art to go home to mom and dad? Why do you think she chose to crumble it up and throw it in the trash instead of just handing it back to the kids and say, okay, you can take this home. We can't have it at school. Why do you think she, she chose to ditch the evidence? Hmm? Lee school district officials said that some students understood her explanation of her sexuality while others were left confused. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're, they're too young to comprehend it. The subject matter angered some parents and students who wrote to administrators to voice their displeasure. Scott, who was working on a probationary basis and not part of the teachers union, was eventually told not to return to campus and that her contract was being terminated. District officials attributed her dismissal to her not following the curriculum. Well, yeah, she didn't. Good. Good. Let her go ahead and, and go to work for the uh, that that camp that Chastin Buttigieg is always singing the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the gay pride flag thing at. She can work there, I guess. MNC News Time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. To the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Ah. Uh, what is it? Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. We're not on Flat Earth Friday yet. Almost. <laughs> we are getting there. Flat Earth Friday right around the corner. It's Infoil Tuesday. Flat Earth Friday. Uh, all right. You ready for this? Got another education story. Somebody else in education got fired. This time it was a college who fired somebody who was on staff over there. This is uh, St. Olaf College in Minnesota. They removed the director of the school's Institute for Freedom and Community. What do you think the Institute for Freedom and Community is all about? That is a great question. What do they do? Are they an institute for, I don't know, like free speech and stuff? It seems like that would probably be in their their mission statement, just, you know, 
theoretically. It's kind of what their website says. And their website is talking about having speakers, you know, diverse speakers and things like that on on uh, campus. And well, what's interesting about this is that the the head of the Institute for Freedom and Community over at St. Olaf College in Minnesota, Edmund Santuri, was fired because Santuri apparently encouraged too much free speech by inviting a wide range of speakers to lecture at the Institute. The lecture that appeared to draw the most objections was by Peter Singer, who has expressed controversial views about disabled people. An appearance by John McWhorter, who has argued some anti-racism initiatives go too far in stifling debate, was also reportedly controversial. Uh, I don't know any of those guys, by the way. Singer has for decades often advocated in favor of abortion and even infanticide. McWhorter, meanwhile, opposes the racist principles of critical race theory. To put it mildly, these speakers indicated the sincerity of Santori's efforts to bring a wide range of political thought to St. Olaf. So you've got one guy who's a big-time pro-abortion guy, could possibly go into the realm of eugenics. you got another guy who's anti-CRT, which would seemingly, on the surface anyway, just be totally opposite from one another. Uh, I'm taking a look at their upcoming speakers here. Yeah, Peter Singer is coming up. Uh, you got John McWhorter uh, coming up. Um, I, I know, okay, John, okay, I know the face, John McWhorter. Um, then you've got the 1619 Project. You've got Partisan Science and Other Fundamentals from Gary Saul Morrison. So you've got a very diverse group of speakers who are speaking on a wide range of issues. Isn't that kind of what you want at an institute like this over at a college, the Institute for Freedom and Community? Apparently not. When Anderson removed Santori, he explained his reasons were because the lectures arranged by Santori had created a, a new enemies of the Institute. Oh, Anderson also justified the actions because he had received complaints from the college's Board of Regents as well as others at the college. Well, who cares? Your position is supposed to tell them, yeah, we are a, a college of higher education. We have an institute of freedom, and, and we're going to bring diversified speakers who will reflect that. That is what we are going to do. And some of them are going to have some objectionable things to say according to your political philosophies or your beliefs, your culture, what have you. But that is the point. You are supposed to be exposed to this stuff. Since you can't have, this is the article here at behind the, uh, the black.com. Since you can't have freedom of speech without someone getting offended, Anderson was essentially admitting that he and others at the college do not support free speech. Only speech that offends no one can be permitted, which means the ability of St. Olaf to teach its students rational and independent thought is impossible. Instead, the college will churn out closed-minded individuals who believe that if they are offended by anything someone says, they have the right to silence that person. Yeah. So you have an Institute for Freedom and Community who was run by a guy who actually adhered to those principles and brought in diversified speakers on a whole range of issues. And that person was fired because they were too diverse in the speakers that they brought. That is, yeah, that's interesting. 
<laughs> you, you see what they're doing? Everything. I was just thinking about this again today, and a song that I heard on the way into work kind of reminded me of it, but I've talked about this quite a bit. Symbols of patriotism in the United States. Traditional symbols of patriotism that date back to even before the founding. Every single one of them, when they get brought up by patriots in modern times, is instantly labeled by leftist radicals and their media allies as being a symbol of white supremacy. Every single one of them. Every single one. And that is because you are not allowed, you are not allowed to have patriotic symbolism. American culture is steeped in patriotism. It is steeped in patriotic symbolism. For our culture, these types of things are very powerful. They are motivating. They are, there's an emotional response. It is almost visceral for most Americans to see the American flag draped across a football field. To hear the national anthem belted out by a very, very good singer. These are emotional things. When we see the bald eagle, when we see images of Native Americans, when we see patriotic symbols from the revolutionary times, these are all things that evoke very strong emotions of loyalty and love in the average American. As such, every single one of them must be destroyed as a symbol of patriotism. Every single one. It is all, this is what Cleon Skousen wrote about in The Naked Communist. You replace our history, you replace our art with meaningless stuff. You discredit the founders and everything they stood for. That's what it's all about. It's about destroying all of those loyalty odes and everything else. Those are all in the 45 communist goals that he wrote about in The Naked Communist. All of them. And you look at every single little thing that pops up. Every single thing that pops up that has an historical reference back to the revolution, everything, it is immediately attacked as being a white supremacist symbol. Even to the point where you start getting into kids' games now, that people play well into their adulthood. Why? Because they're fun and it just becomes a thing to do. Like, uh, you know, playing the circle game or giving the okay sign or whatever. People play that because it's a, it's, it's a fun thing and it's unifying. And because it's unifying, you have to attack it as divisive. So Hillary Clinton goes to the Met Gala here, and she flashes the white supremacy OK sign, which everybody says is a white supremacy symbol on the left now. Hillary Clinton does it. Nobody bats an eye. Any Republican does exactly what Hillary Clinton does, and suddenly they are a white supremacist. Why is that? Because you have to divide people. And one of the ways that you get over that is being able to have a reasonable intellectual discussion with somebody whom you might disagree with or listening to a lecturer disagree. You remember when I think uh, I think it was might have been Donald Trump. He was doing uh, an interview and they happened to notice that he had, you know, various books, historical books in, in his bookshelf. And I think one of them was like Mein Kampf. And people were like, oh, see, he's got Hitler's book there. Yeah, yeah we read it in school. Did you read that in school? Hitler's manifesto? Yeah, John read it in school too. For you younglings out there, yeah, that was a thing. You read it. Why did you read it? So you could hear and, well, internalize the ramblings of a madman. That was the whole point of it. 
you have to understand him. It's not because you support him. I mean, the book is poorly written, crying out loud. But the, the, the entire goal is obviously to divide people. And all this guy was trying to do is, hey, I'm going to bring a bunch of diverse groups of people. They're going to come here. They're going to talk about various issues. And the moment any of them are uncomfortable for some fragile psyche, they have to complain and he's got to be removed. So they're just going to go ahead and continue to droll out the same old nonsense. And anybody who dares get offended by that nonsense, they won't, they won't be allowed. Because it's all going to be about propaganda now. It's not about intellectual higher thought. It's all about propaganda. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Check out the Lars Larson Show, weeknights 9 till midnight on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Uh, we've gone down a rabbit hole, folks. I don't know what else to tell you. If you're not on the live stream, you're missing out. Uh, it, it's We're into Shasta now. Um, and and I, I may have to go shopping after the end of the show. Just letting you know. I, I didn't know that Shasta was, Shasta was still around. I thought it was gone. It's not. <laughs> it's not gone. <laughs> and they have Tiki Punch. Love Tiki Punch. Oh, man. Shasta Zazz, John. It's grapefruit. It's grapefruit flavored. I don't know how that works. You know we're going for that grape. Shasta grape. That's the original crack before we had crack. <sighs> Sorry. Um, sometimes train wrecks just happen, but at least it was a good one. So the live stream has been entertained at least. Well, the FDA, speaking of health, since we're talking about Shasta soda, speaking of health, the FDA is finally admitting what we've been telling you for quite some time now. Hey, um, stop being a paranoid psychopath and just treat COVID like another respiratory virus like the flu. That's, that's them saying it, not me. It's a good thing I'm not on YouTube right now. Because, of course, they would delete it. Top officials of the Food and Drug Administration wrote Monday that going forward, Americans will have to accept COVID-19 as another respiratory virus like flu. There you go. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf is a caliph. Califf. Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock and the agency's top vaccine official, Dr. Peter Marks, wrote that COVID-19 will be in circulation for the foreseeable future, which uh, a certain radio host whose name rhymes with Casey told you, about two years ago. How did I know that? Because a medical conference said it. <clears throat> it was labeled a conspiracy theorist. So it'll be in circulation for the foreseeable future. It must be accepted as just another common virus that we deal with on a regular basis. According to the Journal of the American Medical Association, known to the plebes as JAMA. Like with influenza, this new reality will likely require annual COVID-19 shots like a certain radio host told you a long time ago. It's almost like it's a money grab or something. Which will be tailored around the most threatening strains of the virus. And just like the flu shot will be totally ineffective. Because <laughs> the flu shot doesn't work against anything. Uh, widespread vaccine and infection-induced immunity combined with the availability of effective therapeutics could blunt the effects of future outbreaks. Nonetheless, it is time to accept that the presence of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, 
Is that where we're at now, the virus that causes COVID-19? Are we really doing this? We haven't done that since the 80s. Are we really doing that? Influenza, the virus that causes flu. I know it's the same thing, but it's there's different strains. I get it, but it's like SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Like This is going to show up in the stupid promos that we have to watch on TV now. Symptoms of COVID-19 might be a sniffly nose and, and, a, and a stuffed up head. Get the vaccine today, which might give you myocarditis, cancer, kill you. It will likely circulate globally for the foreseeable future, taking its place alongside other common respiratory viruses such as influenza. And it likely will require similar annual consideration for vaccine composition updates in uh, consultation with the FDA. And as I've told you before, what's going to happen is you're going to get a cocktail now going forward. And your seasonal flu shot will just have the COVID shot in it. That's what they're going to probably do. Um, And you, you know, will have a decision to make because you probably won't be able to get just a flu shot. They'll probably just have the cocktail available. That's how they do these sorts of things. Any parent knows exactly what I am talking about. In the earliest days of the pandemic, some elected officials and commentators attempted to equate COVID-19 to the flu, but the coronavirus pandemic turned out to be far deadlier. Uh, killing nearly 1 million Americans. However, since vaccines for the virus became widely available last year, the threat of mortality from COVID-19 has trended closer to seasonal flu. Yeah, but that's not because of the vaccines. It's because of the the changes in strains. So, um, Daily Caller, uh, News Foundation article. But again, uh, trying to spin that, that oh, it's really the, the vaccines that have kind of made this trend downwards. Now, even... Bill Gates, for crying out loud, even Bill Gates is like, well, no, the best thing to happen uh, to uh, to COVID is Omicron, because <laughs> Omicron basically killed off COVID. It did, you know, just it made it made it in its current non, well, I don't want to say non, less lethal form that is just highly infectious. So the current COVID variants are seasonal variants that you're going to have to deal with in perpetuity going forward in the future, which is exactly what they want because now you have to get the shot every year, uh, which will not be free and they'll make tons of money. You know how it goes. Um, I still don't have any word. The early developments and some of the stuff like the nasal spray and, and things like that, I don't have any word on any further development on any of those. Those are supposed to be you know, a daily thing that you would take. Uh, and some of them were already approved. They're already on the market. And you would just actually just, you know, do some nose spray every single day, and then you would go about your business and it would protect you from COVID. So I don't know if that stuff's still, you know, being evaluated as a potential possibility going forward or what have you. But right now, everything is settling into it's just a seasonal virus. You'll go get a shot, and it should protect you from the thing that's probably not going to kill you anyway, unless, of course, you're in one of those danger categories. Flu shots are obviously for the young, the feeble, and the elderly. Uh, really don't um, offer much protection for your average folks out there who are healthy. And usually it's it's a guessing game about which strain you're going to be dealing with and that sort of thing. They get it wrong quite a bit. Uh, I'm not telling you not to get it. You can get it if you want. Uh, it's just, it's usually not protecting you against the current strain. It's, it's a guessing game. So they're going to have to do that with COVID as well. All right, folks. But at least the FDA is finally admitting, hey, you can relax about this whole thing now. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC. Well, how about this story? A woman who died in 2004 got fined for not getting the COVID vaccine. 
It's in Italy. Uh, <laughs> Maria Setta, the woman who received the sanction from Italian authorities for being unvaccinated, disappeared in 2004 at age 37. But the fact that she is legally dead did not stop the Sardinian municipality of Lula from sending her a $105 U.S. dollar fine in the mail. Wow. That's, uh, that's heartwarming. Thank you, Italy. <clears throat> Another place that I used to want to go. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Amber Heard gave testimony today. So we'll have some, some goodies tomorrow. <laughs> don't, don't you worry about that. We'll have some goodies tomorrow. The Department of Homeland Security told congressional staffers on Friday that its Disinformation Governance Board had yet to hold its first meeting. According to two congressional staffers, we're familiar with it, who spoke with the Daily Caller, one staffer told the Daily Caller that the board appeared, quote, half-baked and said the DHS seemed to have gotten ahead of themselves when they mentioned it in the secretary's testimony. Uh, DHS also admitted the board lacks a charter during Friday's call. Uh, the two uh, two staffers both confirmed this. So they're they're setting this thing up, this Orwellian Ministry of Truth. They're setting this thing up. They tell the world about it, and they don't have a charter, and they haven't even had a meeting yet. Isn't that how companies fail? <laughs> we have a product, but we don't have a business plan. The congressional staffers elected to speak on bank uh, on background with one telling us that they don't want to compromise their ability to work with DHS and the other telling us that their office only confirms details of this nature in background. The board's new. The board is new under the Biden administration, according to the aforementioned staffer who said DHS doesn't, quote, really have direction for this board. Now, if they don't have any direction for the board, they don't have any charter, and they haven't had any meeting yet, then how could they possibly, with any confidence, tell you publicly that your concerns about the organization are not valid because it won't, it won't be doing the sorts of things that you're afraid it'll be doing? For them to be able to say it won't be doing the sorts of things that you're afraid it, won't be, it, it will be doing, they have to have a charter, they have to have rules in place, and they have had to have had a meeting to discuss all of those things. But that hasn't happened. So how do you know that it's not going to be doing the things that people are worried it will be doing? Uh, let's see. Uh, Jankowitz has recently come under scrutiny for having a history of promoting misinformation, such as the discredited Hunter Biden laptop story. She's a, she's a monster. Uh, the staffer said that they requested a copy of the charter and that DHS agreed to share it when it is ready. The board also is looking at uh, adding two co-chairs to work under Jankowitz, according to the staffer. The other staffer told the Daily Caller that they were told the board hasn't met yet and hasn't approved a charter. Now, this all happened on April 27th when the agency had been formed um, by the DHS, well, the board had been formed by the DHS, and this is when uh, Mayorkas told lawmakers about it at that congressional hearing, which is how we all know about it. So he's telling lawmakers about it, and then, you know, people, of course, who are on staff or members of Congress are like, well, we kind of want information on this thing. We have oversight. 
And they're going, yeah, we'll totally get you information on it as soon as we have a meeting and have a charter, which we haven't done yet. So there's a couple of possibilities here. Possibility number one. Both of them equally plausible, by the way. Possibility number one. Mayorkas is an idiot. He's he's just he's saying stuff that he's not supposed to be saying. He's telling you something exists that doesn't exist because he's Mayorkas, and Mayorkas does this sort of stuff. And Mayorkas is an idiot. You know he's an idiot. So there we go. That's plausible possibility number one. Plausible possibility number two is um, Mayorkas is an idiot and just spoke too soon. So both equally plausible. <laughs> we just we don't have don't have any idea what this thing is going to do. Of course, my work has been running around and defending this lady. Um, Jankowitz is, again, she's a monster. I played you some sound bites, which prove that she's a monster and that she is every bit as Goebbels as you could possibly be in the modern era. So somebody wrote an article here. L. Reynolds wrote an article for The Federalist. Six dystopian things that Biden's disinformation board pick, Nina Jankowitz, has done. All right, this will be interesting. Let's go through them together. She helped choke the Hunter Biden bombshell shortly after the New York Post broke inflammatory news of damning emails and photos on a laptop belonging to then-presidential candidate Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Jankowitz aided the coordinated effort by legacy media and big tech to quash the story. Okay, number two, her creepy Mary Poppins disinformation song. Have you heard this? I'm not going to play it for you. Have you heard this thing? Have you watched the video of of this god-awful thing that she made? You know how much effort had to go into that? It's it's one thing if you do something and it just kind of comes off as cringe. It's another thing if you devote a lot of time and a lot of effort into something that is cringe. And the Mary Poppins thing, if you have not, if you have not seen this, if you want to, if you want to see a deranged individual, this would be that opportunity for you to see that. Okay. Just letting you, I don't need to play it for you because it's going to get a, it's going to earworm into your head. It's a whole thing. Number three, that time she called for censoring memes. This is a good one. We talked about this before too. The biggest challenge in identifying this content, both for our team and for platforms, is that we've dubbed malign creativity, the coded language, memes, and context-based content, which allows harmful posts to avoid detection. That's what she tweeted in a thread about content that she thinks needs more censoring. Memes. Now, what do we say about memes these days? The left can't meme they're terrible at it they are awful at memes they're awful at memes because the left has no sense of humor the right has effectively used memes for quite some time now which of course means that they want memes to be banned Um, all memes are are the the modern graphical version of the bumper sticker slogan which democrats made famous and democrats would Back in the day, all right, your traditional roles of your liberal Democrats and your conservative Republicans, conservative Republicans, intellectuals would try to explain things to you, oftentimes ad nauseum, and the average person would glass over in the eyes and they would just completely miss it. Whereas liberals would come out with a one-liner that was witty and funny and completely untrue, but everybody thought it was 
it was humorous, and they would put it on a bumper sticker. So the idea is the strategy that you have to have something that fits on a bumper sticker of a car. If you can do that and drive home your message, you've succeeded. And the Democrats were masters of that. Absolute masters of it. Memeing is the modern version of that on the internet. And the left is terrible at memes. They're god-awful at them. People on the right are very, very good at memeing. So it's kind of flipped. And as a result, they want to ban or restrict memes because memes could, of course, uh, affect outcomes of elections. I don't remember any Republicans calling for the banning of bumper stickers. Number four, when she suggested using cops to police online speech. Oh, that was a good one, too. Discussing online abuse towards women in an April interview, Jankowitz insisted that we need to at least upskill police officers and local law enforcement to deal with these things and perhaps start some collaboration. In the UK, they're looking at making the content that they call awful but lawful illegal. And she's advocated for that. Now, I, I again, this is the United States of America. You have every right to be a mean, horrible, awful person that you want. As long as you're not infringing upon the rights of other people, you're good to go. They don't have that anywhere else in the world. You know what Europe is doing right now, particularly the UK? They're calling Elon Musk. They want Elon Musk to go testify so he can explain his free speech policies as the new owner of Twitter. True story. In a place that will throw you in prison because they don't like what you say. I want you to think about that. And she's advocated for law enforcement getting involved in policing and regulating the law, the awful but lawful language that is out there. In other words, what you say might be objectionable, but it is perfectly legal for you to say it because, you know, you're a flippant American. They want that to go away. And this is the person who's supposed to be in charge of this with the Department of Homeland Security, the same Department of Homeland Security that called parents domestic terrorists and then lied about all of the examples they used to justify that false slander. Number five, when she sang praises for the Russia disinformation hoaxes, Christopher Steele. Yeah. <laughs> she, she loved Christopher Steele. She liked praising him and everything else, of course. Christopher Steele lied in the whole Russia collusion thing. Number six, when she called insulting Kamala Harris a threat to democracy. I wrote about the online gendered abuse I experienced and the attacks that we tracked against Kamala Harris, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and more. She wrote this on Twitter. Platforms and governments aren't doing enough. It's time to act. Our national security and democracy are at stake. Oh, because you say mean things about awful women. That's my opinion that they're awful. You might really like AOC and you might really hate Jews and therefore like Ilhan Omar. It's entirely possible. Um, you might really like substandard politicians who get ahead doing various unsavory things like Kamala Harris. That is your right as an American citizen to support any of those dweebuses. It's entirely up to you. But it is my right to point out that uh, I don't think it's appropriate for a member of Congress to hate Jewish people and marry her brother. See? See how that works? She thinks that's a threat to democracy. <laughs> and the funniest thing about this, right, the narrative right now that the left has established, this is what's so funny, this, the narrative that they have established with pride for themselves is that less speech is better for democracy. 
They are actively saying this. They're saying it on CNN. Brian Stelter said this crap the other day. They're saying it on MSNBC. They're saying it at the White House. They're saying it in the halls of Congress. That less speech protects democracy. More speech hurts democracy. Think about that. And they are saying this. They are saying this with a straight face and with pride. That's their current platform. Less free speech is great for democracy. More free speech, bad for democracy. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I went back to uh, Southwest Vision Center here not that long ago. Uh, the kid went, got some blue light glasses because she's constantly staring at a screen now uh, at school and at home and, and what have you. So she's got some blue light glasses, which she enjoyed. She loves shopping for glasses. My, my oldest daughter absolutely loves glasses as an accessory, but uh, I figured like, if we're going to do it, have some benefit to having them. So we got some blue light glasses over there at Southwest Vision Center for her that perfectly match her style and she can wear it with multiple outfits. But then I went in just a couple of days later because um, I, this happens when you, when you get past 40, uh, you got to kind of have an annual checkup because your vision's always changing. And sure enough, my prescription from last year is not strong enough anymore. So we had to boost the power on my prescription and they did that. I do have my replacement sunglasses. Somebody broke into my car and stole my sunglasses, which happened to have been my shooting glasses. Thank you for that. Appreciate it by the way. Um, so now I've got the new glasses, which actually fit better than the old ones. And they are fantastic with, uh, with the right prescription in them. And of course my vision is fantastic, but this is the thing, you know, you go there and you've got your kids who like going there. You've got your family who likes going there. And every time you go there, you're properly taken care of. And the staff is friendly. And I, I from what I've heard, it is not an easy thing to find an eye doctor that is great with kids. And Southwest Vision Center is just fantastic with them. My kids love going there. Go to swvisioncenter.com, swvisioncenter.com. Set an appointment over at Southwest Vision Center. Let them know that I sent you. My listeners get discounts there that oftentimes will beat your insurance rates. Go to swvisioncenter.com and make an appointment today. But make sure you mention me to get those discounts. Okay, um, something, you know, just along the line of these dystopian things that that Jankowitz has said, um, when you get people who who say things like less speech is better for democracy and more speech is actually bad for democracy, when you have places like the Washington Post that say democracy dies in darkness while actively publishing darkness and hiding the truth from you, this is all newspeak. This is where, if you open up 1984, and, and for the record, I'm still shocked at how many people reach out to me and say that they have never read this book. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. That's newspeak. So when you hear... Members of the news media, of all people, politicians, it's one thing, but when you have members of the news media, of all people going out there and going, for democracy, 
to survive and thrive, you need less freedom. That's Newspeak. That's what Orwell talked about in his book. That's war is peace. Not war is war. War is peace. Everything is the opposite of what reality is. Because the party, in the book, you know, the party tells you whatever they say is right, even when they're wrong. And if you think independently, you're wrong. So if you're in your head, you know that war is war, but we tell you that war is peace. Guess what? War is peace. Peace isn't peace. War is now peace because we say it is. That's Newspeak. And all of the years that I have been using Orwell and, and Huxley with Brave New World as examples of what I see happening in our society, of all of the years that I've done that, I know that other hosts do that now as well, but there's a point in time where there are very few who actually did it. As I've done that over the, over the years, there's always a few people who kind of pick up on it. You know, they always think that you're stretching it a little bit. But we're at a point now where they're just, they're literally, they're, it's almost like they opened Orwell and they said, we're just going to do everything that the party did in 1984. We're just going to do, that's going to be our playbook now. And we'll see if anybody picks up on it. And that's where you get this stuff. You get Newspeak. And with Newspeak, like I said, you know, the opposite of truth is truth. And when you are watching a, a free press who was attacked and imprisoned and illegally surveilled and illegally hacked and illegally had evidence seized by the Obama administration and then ignored but insulted by the Trump administration. And then again, the abuse starts again with the Biden administration. And they still celebrate Obama and they celebrate Biden while attacking Trump, even though Trump left them alone with the except the exception of responding to their insults with insults in kind. Obama used the legal system to go after journalists. Biden has done the same. Trump never did that. Trump never threatened the freedom of the press. Ever. Never proposed it, never pushed for it, never attempted it, never. Not one time. But they claimed he did. That's Newspeak. He never attacked them. He never threatened freedom of the press. Obama did. Biden has. To a lesser extent, George W. Bush did. But it is weird that they only chose to highlight George W. Bush. They ignored Obama. Chose to highlight Trump. Ignored Biden. It's all newspeak. And now the same people are sitting there every single day and telling you, we need a disinformation board. We, we have to have a disinformation board. Why? Because they're the ones giving you disinformation, and they don't want anyone to be able to prove them wrong. It is a challenge to their authority. You think that CNN likes it when some of you who are just run-of-the-mill people after a 9-to-5, you get home and you're able to prove CNN wrong with, you know, three minutes of looking online? You think they like that? They hate that. They know they're lying to people. You, know, you have two choices, basically, to believe that people at CNN are that stupid or that they're intentionally misleading you. And if they were that stupid when they made a mistake, they would probably apologize at least some of the time for those mistakes, and they don't, which means it's intentional. 
So they don't want you to be able to prove them wrong. They want to be able to lie to everybody and control the narrative, no matter what that lie is. Which is why they want a disinformation board, so that way you won't have the ability to challenge their information and their authority. Which, ironically, is exactly what Jankowitz said in 2020 when she had been preaching this type of censorship and a Democrat politician in the House of Representatives from Connecticut said, I don't really like what you're saying. It it sounds to me like you're talking about dystopian information control. And her response was, I understand why you think that, but I assure you, I do not want any kind of a disinformation control or regulation from the federal government at all. That's how you get All of these things in Nazi Germany and Stalin. She said that. I played you the audio clip. And what is she being appointed to do? Exactly what Goebbels did. And she's being celebrated for it. The whole plan is being celebrated by the news media. Who desperately doesn't want anybody challenging what they tell you. They don't want you to know about Hunter Biden's laptop or any host of other scandals. They don't want you to know about any of it. They don't want you to know that the Steele dossier was all fake. The only way to get that done is to control the flow of information. So now you get the Department of Homeland Security involved. They've got legal authority to put people behind bars. And they can control information. That's the goal. MNC Newstime is 532. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations for Mother's Day. Impress with ImpressJewelers.com. This is the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. I know that there's tens of thousands of you out there who listen to this show every single day. All I am asking you to do is to take five minutes or less. Please go to rumble.com. Please go to my channel at Casey the Host. Please hit the subscribe button. It is free. It costs you nothing. That's all I'm asking you to do. Please do that. Help me grow that channel so I can pull away from YouTube permanently. That is the goal. I did have somebody who um, was asking me the other day. They always missed the show on on Rumble. And I, I said, well, have you downloaded the app? They hadn't downloaded the app. The app is really good at notifications, which, of course, you can turn off if you don't want them. But if you find yourself forgetting to go to Rumble, maybe maybe later in the day to watch the show or to see something that happened, just download the Rumble app. It is free. And then log in, and you'll get a notification if you choose to have notifications sent to your phone, and then that will tell you when I upload something. One of the reasons I keep pointing this out, I, it's weird that we live in a country, well, really in the West in general, that knows that Vladimir Putin is a vengeful guy. John, you've been in the news business for a long time. Has Vladimir Putin ever been portrayed as anything but vengeful? Nope. He's a vengeful guy. 
Now, if he's a vengeful guy, why would you demand that Russian citizens who have nothing to do with his government, like tennis players or opera singers or what have you, who still live in Russia and have family in Russia, why would you ever demand that they admonish Putin and his war in Ukraine? They have to go back to Russia. You don't. You live in a privileged little protected world. They don't. They have to go back to Russia. And when they go back to Russia, they're going to be dealt with by a vengeful Vladimir Putin. And it's weird. The entire West knows that he poisons his critics and he takes out revenge upon people and their families who attack him. Everybody knows this. And yet the entire world is okay with ruining people's lives who have nothing to do with his policies. And this is when we're talking about the Wimbledon thing, you know, it, the Wimbledon thing is is not even the most egregious. It's just an example where you have famous players who are no longer allowed to play at Wimbledon, including one of the top players in the world, simply because they're Russian. That's it. That's the only reason. And if they win, they don't want the Russian anthem played. That's all. That's what Wimbledon said. I'm going to give you an example of why I'm right, even though intuitively all of you know that I'm right, but I'm going to give you an example. See, there's this Russian tycoon. His name is Oleg Tinkov. He's worth more than $9 billion. Okay, This is a very wealthy man. He is one of Russia's few self-made business tycoons. He built his fortune outside the energy and minerals industries that were the playgrounds of the Russian kleptocracy. So he built his wealth independently outside of the typical corrupt sectors. This is a true self-made rich man, okay? This is the epitome of a success story that all Americans should celebrate. Well, there's a problem with this guy. You see, Mr. Tinkov, who's the founder of one of Russia's biggest banks, criticized the war in Ukraine. He did so in a post on Instagram. And because he did that in a post on Instagram, Putin contacted the executives of this guy's company and took over his company. Just took the whole thing over. Guy was forced to do a fire sale on all of his shares of the company, which was 35% stake. He had to get rid of it. He was forced to do so by Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin. This guy has now lost his business enterprise in the country of Russia because he did an Instagram post about the war. And you're asking, you're asking run-of-the-mill Russian people who are just trying to go to work in other countries to attack Vladimir Putin? Get a grip. Now, he's still got money, thank God. Hopefully he's done well in hiding it from, from the Russian government and he's able to survive, but... I just wanted this to serve as an example of why anybody who tries to force Russians who still live in Russia to you know, come out against the war, you're just stupid. You're stupid, you're dumb, and what you're asking for is inhumane. Stop. This is Exhibit A for that. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Casey Hendrickson. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Kind of running out of time. 
So I'm going to tell you about Impress Jewelry Creations because Mother's Day is this weekend. You need to hurry. Go to ImpressJewelers.com. Use the promo code MOMDAY15 and you get 15% off your entire order. Some exclusions do apply. Not that many, though. And you can get right there from the website. Or you can visit their showroom, which I highly recommend. As good as they are at taking photos, the showroom cannot be done justice on the Internet. Go to Impress Jewelers in City Plaza in Granger, Indiana, next to C. Kramer Interiors. Let them know that you are a listener of this show. You get that 15% discount on your entire order heading into Mother's Day. Diamonds, gemstones, birthstones, whether it's necklace, earrings, bangles, you know, whatever you're looking for. They've got it for all of the moms in your life at Impress Jewelry Creations, including the exclusive IJC line of jewelry, which is their own custom jewelry that is not duplicated anywhere else in the world. ImpressJewelers.com. Mom Day 15. And again, some exclusions do apply. Bill O'Reilly's coming up next. Make sure you follow me on Rumble. Again, at Casey, the host, TheBurningTruth.us. We'll have the daily show prep and the podcast uploaded here in just a bit. We'll see you tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly here, the O'Reilly Up. 